otherwise on SAFM. Good afternoon from me, Shara Twala, and welcome to Otherwise on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Hazel Makuzeni is my producer, and Keith John, our technical producer. A number in the studio, 0892-102010. And our email is otherwise at safm.co.za. And I encourage every woman to stay tuned today or call in as we broach the issues around the reproductive organs with gynecologist and obstetrician Dr. Tam Matinde. Otherwise, on SAFM. Dr. Matinda, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. And thanks for make, taking time out. I know it's not your first time on the studio. Yeah, that's so, right. So it's thanks love. for being there always to support us. Tom, Tom is short for? Hey, it's a long name. Oh, okay. It's strange, strange. I can't even pronounce it. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I, I was saying it's Tommy. No, 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 it's Tom. It's Tom. Tom, Tom Matinde. No, fantastic. Are you yeah. in private practice? Yes, I am in private practice at Blobbeck Net Care Hospital and mm-hmm. also at UCT Private Academic Hospital. Mm-hmm. But my main job is actually I'm a lecturer at the University of Cape Town. Oh, okay. Based at Somerset Hospital. Oh, okay. So you're yeah. a very busy man. Well, like any other gynecologist. And us ladies <laughs> keep you very busy. I want us to touch on a few, um, and it's Women's Month, and I sure. thought we should just give an overall look at um, the kinds of diseases that we should worry about, especially with women, how we can prevent them, what we mm. need to be doing at the different stages of our of our growth and maturity. Mm. Mm. Um the first thing, though, is I thought, when is it a good time for a young person to start visiting a gynecologist? At what age? Yes, basically, I think we can divide the lifespan of a woman into before she has a period, mm-hmm. what we call premenacal, then what we call the reproductive years, mm-hmm. you know, when she's having her periods, and after the periods, which is the postmenopausal, you know, period. Okay. What is the best time to visit a gynecologist? Generally speaking, what happens is that prior to the first menstrual period, the pediatricians take care of that. Okay. Okay. That is prior to the first menstrual period, which happens on average between the ages of 8 and 16. Has it gone as low as 8? Yeah. 8 to 16. That's the first, you know, menstrual period, which is important as will become clearer, you know, later on. Mm -hmm. Thereafter, we're in the Productive years where anyone can get pregnant, and that tends to fall within the you know the scope of the gynecologist. So once that starts, and all periods you know are happening you know normally, that's the time spot when one should be visiting their gynecologist, particularly when they are planning on getting pregnant mm-hmm. or getting sexually active. Mm-hmm. So, be so between those ages when a pediatrician lets go and introduces you. Absolutely. Is that would be ac- a good, you know, uh, you know, time to start seeing, you know, a gynecologist. There's quite an overlap, you know, here, particularly with the subject that we have to discuss preventing infections, mm. you know, and everything, mm-hmm. because uh, the uh, new thoughts, you know, that we are having, you know, on the horizon of trying to prevent cancer mm. of the cervix, which is a big, you know, issue, which tends to, you know, uh, present a little bit later. But uh, the prevention strategies, some of the prevention strategies start before one gets sexually active. So there's yes. an overlap between the pediatric sphere and the gynecological sphere there. We talk about menstruation in that, in that period, um, and is that when the process or the... the, the 
this the the scare of possibly suffering from endometriosis happens. That's right. That's right. From when the period zero starts, thereafter, a a certain group of conditions be, can become manifest, including the one that you are mentioning, which mm-hmm. is you know, endometriosis. But the first thing to acknowledge is that when the periods start from then on, if one were to be sexually active, they can get pregnant, and that can bring a whole lot of issues apart from just you know pregnancy, which are important in a woman's life, mm-hmm. including the endometriosis that you mentioned. It's just one, one, one small part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But tell us what happens during what, what causes endometriosis. Well, uh, now that we focus on endometriosis, endometriosis simply means tissue that looks like the inside lining of the womb that is found at other sites other than on the inside lining of the womb. Mm -hmm. It tends to be outside the tubes, around, outside the uterus, around the tubes, behind the tube, behind, you know, the womb. That is called endometriosis. It's a big subject. It's a lots of talk and studies have been done about it. First and foremost, we actually don't know okay. why that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, why do people have endometriosis? We've got so many thoughts, you know, around it. Maybe at the time of having, you know, periods, some of the tissues that's on the inside goes back via the tubes, mm-hmm. back, you know, outside, you know, the womb, and it causes endometriosis. At times, maybe if people have had operations, say cesarean sections or any other operations on the womb, mm-hmm. tissue that's on the inside lining of the womb has to be on the outside. There are just so many theories around it. And at times we think maybe it's um, tissue during development, you know, in early childhood. Mm-hmm. When tissue is developing, some tissue is destined to become, you know, skin. Some is destined to become muscle. Some is destined to become bone. So it can go either way. Mm-hmm. And at some point in time, for reasons which are not clear to us, tissue that's on the outside can just decide to change. You know, we've got a big name for it, which we call metaplasia, basically tissue changing from what it was supposed to be to another tissue. You've got lots of big names. That's lots why we get confused names. as women about how to treat. Because, you know, the, can they not be simplified? Just for us to understand our bodies better. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely right. That's why when we say endometriosis, is basically tissue like the inside lining of the womb that is on the outside. In a nutshell, why exactly that happens, we don't know. Mm. But what we do know is what happens to women who have endometriosis. How does it present can, itself? And we can do that. Um, it can present in a number of ways. In some women, it is there, it doesn't cause any problems. We leave those women alone. Mm-hmm. But in a great number of women, it can cause things like pain during periods, okay. what we call dysmenorrhea. Mm-hmm. At times, it can cause problems in getting pregnant. Okay, they're infertile, you know, these women. And at times, this tissue can get to be so big and it can form masses, you know, lumps, big, you know, masses, you know, behind, you know, the uterus, what mm-hmm. we call, you know, endometriosis. So various ways of presentation. So pain during periods, difficult in getting pregnant, big masses, which we find when we go to a doctor, the doctor examines you, and they find there's this cyst, you know, that mm-hmm. is there. And when we investigate it, we find it's endometriosis. Well, there's an old woman's tale that when you do have period pains or dysmenorrhea is is then uh, a good time to have a baby because after having a baby, it, it, it you know, it dissipates. You know, so old women were actually clever. In fact, they still are clever. <laughs> those who are still, you know, 
it is true that some women with painful periods, once they've had a, you know, their first baby, the pain, you know, goes away. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is some truth, you know, in that sense, in that even those with endometriosis who, if they don't get pregnant too early, might have problems in getting pregnant, you know, later mm-hmm. on. So there is some truth, you know, to mm-hmm. that. But I wouldn't like to send the message that once <laughs> you're having painful periods, please get pregnant. Go and get, <laughs> go and get busy <laughs> to fall pregnant. Because that has got other problems. But it can be in, uh, not treated because if you don't know what causes it, you can't quite treat it, but uh, it can be alleviated? Actually, what we could, we've got various modalities to alleviate and at times actually quite even treat it, mm-hmm. you know, preventing it might be slightly, you know, different. So the way we treat endometriosis really is to say oh, what is the problem that the woman has mm-hmm. because I told you that at times it can be there and it's not causing problems we do nothing about it. But if a woman comes with a problem, she's having painful periods, we are going to address to see why she's having painful periods and after investigation if we find it's due to endometriosis we treat it that way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the other hand we can also have a woman who comes she's trying to get pregnant we do all sorts of tests and investigations you know on her and we find that it's because she's got endometriosis then we know how to treat you know Mm -hmm. that endometriosis in terms of what exactly we use it's all sorts of medicines across the range you know that we have we've got medicines we've got tablets that we use we've got injections that we use and at times we actually operate on endometriosis to remove the endometriosis itself. So, so there's no one that fits all for every woman. So one should have a, a detailed conversation with the gynecologist. Absolutely, absolutely. Depending specific to them, what is their problem, and is it indeed endometriosis? How much endometriosis is there? You know, we grade it, and then we direct our treatment at that. And, you know, we started prematurely because what I wanted us to make people understand, Mm. especially women, is when we talk about your reproductive organs, Mm. it's it's not just your your uterus or Mm. your, it's not separated. Mm. The the tubes are connected to, the fallopian tubes are connected to the whole system. So what are we talking about exactly? Where does it begin? Where does it end? The reproductive years start from when a woman starts having her period, Mm -hmm. the first period, and they end when the woman has a last period, which is what is called menopause. Mm -hmm. In between that time period are called the reproductive years, i.e. one could get pregnant during that time. Mm -hmm. Of course, as we go later on to the um, end of the reproductive years, chances of pregnancy get to be less and less mm-hmm. but other issues come into you know into, into the play age. absolutely so what those years require and mostly uh, people have sexual intercourse yeah and this is where most some of most of the problems absolutely occur, and some of the diseases pre- present yeah. themselves and some of these diseases, some of these, you know, consequences of being sexually active, you know, include obviously getting pregnant, mm-hmm. which may be desirable or undesirable, mm-hmm. include all sorts of infections, you know, the sexually transmitted, you know, infections, which you have to be dealt with, you know, HIV infection also comes, you know, into the picture. Uh, it also includes infections which can later cause cancer. 
such as the HPV infection mm. causing cancer of the cervix, which is a big challenge, you know, for us in South Africa and in Sub-Saharan, you know, Africa. So all these are the consequences of being sexually active. So from a woman's health perspective, we have to look at all these choices the woman is making. Is she ready to become sexually active? Is it protected sexual activity? Does she want to get, you know, pregnant and to prevent the long-term issues like, you know, getting cancer, you know, in future? How can one prevent or how can one take responsibility for their own body? They're sexually active. Uh, does it mean, apart from using protection, mm-hmm. um, just for backup, does one then so, visit your gynae as so, often so, as possible? So, so once one makes the decision to be sexually active, first and foremost it has to be safe sexual practices that we are talking about you know prevention using barrier methods using condoms certainly they do help you know a long way having um, you know a one-on-one relationship fight mm-hmm. for you know relationship that certainly comes you know into the into the picture and from once sexual activity starts there can also be infections that come you know with it i alluded to condoms mm-hmm. you know preventing pregnancy and preventing you know infection mm-hmm. the infections that can cause cancer later on is a viral infection with an organism a virus called hpv can and that's an important issue, the HPV. In fact, it has become a national priority, you know, right now that people are trying to, in South Africa, to see if we can prevent the HPV infection because later on down the line, those women who get a certain type of HPV infection can end up with cancer of the cervix. Okay, we're not talking HIV here, we're talking HPV, HPV which is a papilloma virus. And how does that occur? How does well, it enter your, your H- system? HPV virus it belongs to a group of viruses that are fairly common amongst sexually active you know, population. Mm-hmm. And largely, its spread is by direct skin contact. In those Even though you're using condoms? Wherever there is skin contact. Okay. So when you use contact, certain aspects are protected, but certain aspects are not you know, protected. Mm-hmm. So the HPV family you know, of infections can be spread you know, that way. Okay. Just to give you an indication, the HPV infection, if you have those women who have got warts, you know, genital warts, mm-hmm. cross that are happening you mm-hmm. know, down below, those are called by HPV. Cancer of the cervix, like I mentioned, now we know that HPV has to play a role, but it's different families, different subgroups, you know, of this HPV. The underlying theme is that it is transmitted by close body contact, skin contact. Mm. It's susceptible, you know, areas. So, no condoms might reduce the incidence of getting cancer out of the cervix, but for what, where there is that skin contact in um, susceptible skin, those women could still have warts. How do women, though, um, know when they do have those warts? Or, or let's talk about herpes as well, because uh, mm. I think it would belong to the same mm-hmm. family of mm-hmm. HPV. More or less, yeah. More or less. Yeah. Um, because some women just think, oh, I may have a little pimple, or I have a little abrasion, or I have a... How, how do they know they're in trouble? Unfortunately, most people tend to present when it's late because you have to wait for symptoms, you know, to occur for some of those infections like the, you know, um, herpes, you know, infection, any abnormal discharges, any abnormal pain that the woman has, or any abnormal growth 
that's one has. You know, one has to go and, uh, you know, consult, you know, a doctor or a gynecologist to have that, you know, checked out. Mm. The silent, uh, um, problem here is the HPV, which I kept getting to. Because for that, you may not have problems for years and not knowing that you actually, you know, had HPV. And only years later, when you present with this abnormal bleeding or with a vaginal discharge, it's already too late. That is where pap smears come into the picture. Oh, and we'll get to that in a bit. My guest, Dr. Matinde, who's a gynecologist and obstetrician, we're talking about you and your reproductive organs, and uh, you may call us on 0892-102010 if you'd like to ask questions, but I'm happy to ask my own questions because I've got loads of them, and we're back talking to him after this. Some people watch top billing for the fabulous food, others for the tantalizing travel tips, and others watch it for Yanis's abs. Yanis's sweet, smooth, beautiful, beautiful, creamy, creamy, evenly turned abby abby abs. I bet they smell like coconut. Um, yeah, whatever your reason for watching, remember Top Billing is back on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Only on SABC3. Love your new shoes. Yeah, thanks, man. I love their claret appearance. They've got definite hints of burgundy coming through. They've certainly got an abundance of character. And they have magnificent balance, which is crucial in a pair of shoes. But they're not too fruity or over the top. They're light and not too heavy. I definitely give them about four stars. Whatever. KZN is getting ready for the Mercury One Week, 28th to 30th of August, only at Suncoast. Tickets available at CompuTicket and at the door. I'm Anna Lidimo, the owner of Tabon Bakery in Welcome Free State. It was difficult for me to start and manage my company after quitting my chemical engineering career. The DTI's BBSDP grant of 560,000 rand helped me to buy the necessary equipment for the bakery. Today, I supply bread and confectionery to over 30 supermarkets and mining houses and have created employment for seven people. I thank the DTI for believing and supporting women entrepreneurs. Your business may also qualify from other DTI's incentives. Contact the DTI now on 0861-843-394 for more information. Or visit the dti.gov.za and be one of the beneficiaries. The DTI, empowering industries and broadening economic participation. Otherwise, on SAFM. Listening to Otherwise with me, Twala, Dr. Matinde in the studio. And if you'd like to join the conversation, 0892-102010. We're talking about your reproductive organs and diseases that uh, may be prevalent. Uh, we started talking about endometriosis and HPV, which Dr. Matinde, I was not aware of up until today, mm. and which, which is a great risk. So one then, by the time you, you, you see excretion, you see... Um, that's too late actually That's to, already to, to too late So when it comes to the whole issue of preventing cancer of the cervix There are various you know, strategies you know, The first strategy that we use is say, safe sex you know, Using condoms uh, When you decide to be sexually you know, active Currently in South Africa Even from the Minister of Health We recommend pap smears to be done Because with this we can find the abnormal cells before they go on to become cancer, you know, down the line. Mm. And we've got some guidelines, you know, that we use on this. From a national perspective, you know, our guidelines that we have pap smears in the 30s, 
first perhaps in the 30s, another one in the 40s, another one in the 50s. So you notice it's 10-year period, you know, in between, because from infection with the HPV virus to when cancer develops, it can take, you know, about 10 years, mm. you know, the latent period before the body things, you know, start, you know, happening. This is just a national guideline, and you, you can hear I said 30s, 40s, and 50s, mm-hmm. but society is changing. Mm-hmm. You know, people are becoming sexually active much, much earlier, okay? So if you have teenagers starting to be sexually active, and if they were to wait to have their first pap smears when they are 30s, it already might be too late. Mm-hmm. So we're advocating what someone starts being sexually active. It's good to have a baseline pap smear. Okay. okay, within two, three years of sexual you know, activity, have a baseline pap smear. If that is normal and one is in a mutually monogamous you know, relationship and is using all sorts of preventive measures you know, like condoms, then we can go on this national guideline of 10-year mm-hmm. you know, intervals. This is not to say, this is where there's a lot of confusion you know, out there, to say that those who can afford to have pap smears in between should not go for pap smears. So that's just a national guideline, but there's a practicality on the ground taking different types of people, you know, that we have. That's the message. If you go at least once or or twice every five years, let's say. Every Every two to three years. Two to three years. For those who can afford to being privately, you know, funded. But from a national perspective, if you've got one good pap smear and you go on a 10 yearly you know, basis, you should be within safe limits. Elizabeth, hello and welcome to our show. Hi, thank you. It's the first time I'm phoning. I have a problem. I've, I've, I'm under medical treatment at the moment. I'm waiting to go and have a scan on the 26th of September in Port Shepson Hospital. Mm-hmm. I have a fistula. Um, I'm 57. I've not, I've not had sex for about eight years. But I have a terrible, I've had this urinary infection now for the last six months. And I just I will listen to the radio. I just want to hear what the doctor has to say. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Good. Um, thanks for that question. Um, a fistula simply means an abnormal connection between two organs. So it's an abnormal connection, abnormal opening between two organs. So I would have wanted to know more specifically what type of fistula it is, a mm-hmm. connection between what. But I assume, you know, it must be somewhere in the genital tract, somewhere related to the, um, you know, the area down below, the birth canal, the reproductive organs. The fistulas can be either from the genital organs, the reproductive organs, to the bladder, mm. because it's there nearby, or it might be from the reproductive organs to the back passage. All these we call them fistulas. Okay. And they can happen at different levels, mm. you know, between the bladder and, the, uh, you know, the between the bladder and the vagina, that's also a fistula. Between the back passage and the vagina, that's mm-hmm. a fistula. Mm-hmm. They can even happen from high up. So I would need really more information to know exactly where that fistula is. But once we establish a fistula, there are various causes to fistulas. At the age of 57, one starts thinking differently to what could be causing you know, this fistula. And she's not sexually active yeah, as well. She's not sexually active with that thinking of other diseases, infective conditions that she might have, conditions like diverticulitis, they can cause that. 
what I was talking about. You know, if you've got things like, I don't want to scare her, things like cancer, you know, of the cervix, it can erode tissues around and can cause Please fistula. hold that thought, Dr. Matinde. We'll, 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 we'll back talking about fistulas, but now it's time for news headlines with Othila Sako. And in the headlines, the National Union of Mine Workers says they are not trigger-happy about launching a gold industry strike, hinting at a compromise with producers before a Friday deadline. The ANC says it supports a minority constitutional court decision which elected not to interfere in the processes of Parliament regarding the scheduling of motions of no confidence. And South Africa's economy grew by 3% quarter-on-quarter in the second quarter of 2013, up from 0.9% in the first quarter. This is slightly below market expectations of 3.3% growth on a quarterly basis. Details at 2 o'clock. Otherwise, on SAFM. Gynecologist and obstetrician, Dr. Tam Matende in the studio with me. We're talking about fistulas, and, and you weren't sure about exactly where and, and a particular fistula, a particular fistula, fistula is. is. But what, what, but what we said is that a fistula is an abnormal connection between two organs, usually mm-hmm. tubular organs, like the back passage, mm-hmm. like the reproductive organs, or from the bladder. So there is an abnormal connection that is there. That is often brought about by disease. It should not be there. And these diseases can be all sorts of infective, you know, conditions, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, TB, chronic conditions mm. can cause that. At times, depending on if I had more history, you know, from she might have had treatment before like radiotherapy or something mm. like that, you know, that can weaken tissues and you have these abnormal, you know, connections, you know, forming. Very but we're grateful she's going, she's going for a test. To be checked out. To be checked out. So hopefully she finds out. Hermina, hello, welcome. Okay, thank you. Uh, I have a, like, a genital problem. But mm-hmm. when I, when I get checked in the clinic, they tell me that I have nothing. Like, uh, in August, I've been on my own periods for three times a month. Mm-hmm. Not three days, but three times. Mm-hmm. And I have this kind of discharges. But when I get checked, they just tell me that there is nothing there. And maybe I, I'm, I might, I have to be more careful when I'm doing sexual intercourse and something mm-hmm. like this. So I would like to know if I might have that STI or herpes. How old are you, my dear? I'm 18 years. Yeah, 18 years old. Okay, I will answer you. Can I answer you online? Mm. Okay, basically, um, one needs to take a detailed history and not find out you know, why you keep having abnormal periods the way you are, because that seems to be your major problem. During the reproductive years, what we expect to happen is that a woman who's not taking any family planning should have regular periods for a certain number of days once a month. That's what we expect to happen. Anything other than that is abnormal. So we have to find out why things are abnormal. Are you taking any medications perhaps that might be causing this? Are you on any family planning, you know, perhaps the pills, the injections, you know, that you might be taking that are causing this abnormal, you know, uh, you know, bleeding? We also will have to examine you, to examine you thoroughly, a gynecological examination. Are there any local causes that we can find when we examine you? 
since you are, you know, um, sexually, you know, active, it would be good to have a pap smear and also check out, you know, for infection. It's a big subject. There are other conditions as well, which might not be obvious on just examining you after taking a history. Might have to do some blood tests to find out, you know, how the hormones, you know, are working. Just in your age group, one would be thinking of things like is your thyroid gland, you know, working okay? Are your hormones working okay? Some way, what we call the prolactin, mm-hmm. you know, gland. So it's, a, it's a big story. It sounds like though she's going to. Are you going to a local clinic, Romina? Yes, I'm going to a local clinic. Are you Are you able to? afford a, a, a private practice or to be just referred to a, it doesn't have to be private practice or just to be referred to, to a, a specialist to a specialist say why are you having abnormal periods all these issues that I mentioned I mean I didn't get answers you know from mm. you, you mm. know, I don't know whether you're on family planning I don't know when this started when your period started I don't know what sort of, sort of person you know are you a heavily built person or are you a slim person all these things would be relevant do you have a child Amina no, I don't have it. Oh, okay. Do you know, I think, I think, Amina, go back to the clinic and ask them to refer you to a specialist. Yes. And hopefully a gynecologist will be able to assist you and then uh, refer you to, for, for treatment elsewhere. That should certainly, that should certainly help. The message which I want, you know, you and all other, you know, uh, listeners out there to have is that any woman in the reproductive years should have normal periods. If they're not having normal periods and they're not taking any other medication, that should be investigated so we find out why they're having abnormal periods. And the causes are so many to go on over radio. But you definitely can be helped. Good luck, Amina. Okay, thank you. Did we help you at all? Yes, you did. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. And Anonymous from Northwest, hello, welcome. Good day, how are you? Good, thank you. Uh, I'm good. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking it's deja vu or something. Because uh, uh, earlier on today, I was listening to a same uh, on the Northwest uh, radio station. Ah. Uh, kind of like the same, uh, what you call, topic. Hmm. So I'm thinking here, uh, maybe... It's, it's sort of a, a, a God calling that I have to do something because I'm in a situation now where my girl, lady, 24, uh, she was uh, in hospital about three months back. Uh, she had some foul-smelling discharges, uh, sick uh, foul-smelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a state hospital uh, here in the northwest, and then uh, she, uh, she was, uh, uh, what you call, admitted for three days, mm-hmm. so whereby uh, she, was, she had some drips. Mm-hmm. Inserted into her. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know, uh, n- nothing much happened after that. They gave her some medication. Mm-hmm. She went again, and then uh, they gave her some uh, uh, pills, which she had to insert because uh, uh, she had pains mm-hmm. around her abdominal, abdominal uh, what you call area. Mm-hmm. So uh, they gave her some pills to insert inside. Uh, three weeks back, uh, she had to. She, she was also complaining now. Her urine uh, smells very bad. Mm-hmm. But the thing is now, I, I, uh, we sleep. Uh, and then uh, often unprotected. You see, mm-hmm. I'm afraid now because I also went to, to what you call uh, to check up and then the doctor took some urine samples mm-hmm. from myself mm-hmm. and then she found some blood and then he said it's some, uh, it's some sort of uh, what you call an infection mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I have. I went through treat, uh, treatment and that was before she went and then I was wondering if I should go to take her to a gynecologist now because now... Uh, I asked the same doctor, that, okay, uh, I'm not sure about the funds. Can I take her straight to a diner or should I come uh, through, uh, to you first? 
uh, I don't know what to do now because I'm thinking uh, she was given some some liquid now, uh, what you call a uh, an ointment that she inserts now uh, into her, in mm. her into her herself. Her mm. she, she she put that uh, and then she went. She was scanned. The doctor said uh, her, her womb has shifted, and okay, maybe that uh, she said that's not much of a problem. But then she has some uh, what you call uh, I can say pimples. Or, or rush like things in 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 her in her mm-hmm. what you call inside her inside of her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, it appears like uh, you've been through you know quite a lot, and from what you are describing, you know, to me, first and foremost, I think your doctors, the hospital doctors, were on the right track. Just, you know, hearing your story, what they did and the treatment uh, that they offered, they, they seem to be spot on, you know, on track. You know, there's nothing to, you know, to, to fault, you know, about that. And the fact that they also got you to have some investigations and some treatment and treated you, you know, that way, that makes a lot of sense. What I just would like to know is since you are having unprotected, you know, intercourse, and she obviously seems to have had an infection now. One possibility is that one partner was treated and the other partner was mm. not treated. And if you're mm-hmm. having unprotected intercourse, then it can take time because it's going one to the other, one to the other, one to the other. The, mm-hmm. If one is having, you know, infection like I am getting the picture of here, it is uh, perhaps advisable not to be sexually active during the time of treatment to concurrently get treatment, you know, the two of you, <laughs> till you're all, you know, okay. If that is not getting better, then yes, you know, you need to be, you know, referred to see if there is anything else that they might be missing. But from what you described, uh, I think I would have done exactly the same that your doctors did in the state hospital. Because well, even now, recently, uh, is it uh, last, last night, she was complaining that her, she's still having pains on mm-hmm. her abdominal. So I don't know if uh, we should just go to a gyna just to have her thoroughly because it was the GP. It was the state hospital and then uh, now the GP. And she's still complaining after she had some uh, those pills inserted and now uh, this ointment. Mm-hmm. But things so are not- still continuing. Absolutely. You know, things are not getting better. I think it makes sense to, you know, refer to another level, you know, of care. GPs are good, eh? Yeah. I just want to don't let you know that GPs are good. But mm-hmm. since it's not getting, you know, any better, it would be fair enough to say, yes, go and see, you know, someone, you know, like a gynecologist. Anonymous, I must congratulate you, though, for taking responsibility as well and mm. participating in this process. Absolutely. Thank oh, you yes, so yes. much. At Thanks least you listen to your call. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, we, we're going to run out of time, Dr. Matinda, but I, I, I want us to please just talk a bit more about pap smears mm-hmm. and the importance thereof. Okay. Uh, when it comes to cancer of the cervix, that's the biggest gynecological cancer in South Africa amongst, you know, women. And it's a cancer that can be prevented because mm-hmm. uh, we do know from when it starts up to when one has cancer of the cervix, there's a big period in between, a latency period. So we can interfere and, and prevent that. The major culprit is a virus which I've called you a DNA virus called HPV. HPV, I'll never forget papilloma it. Virus, papilloma virus. A certain type, it's a big family of viruses called HPV viruses. Now, we've got various strategies to try and prevent, you know, cancer of the cervix. The first, okay, is said, don't be
be sexually active, so there's less skin contact. If you're going to be sexually, you know, active, use barrier methods because they prevent that, you know, skin contact, you know, which I was telling you about in susceptible, you know, areas. Uh, there is also what's coming on the horizon using vaccines against HPV mm-hmm. in the target population who are the teenagers. So if we get them as teenagers, we vaccinate them so they're immune to getting HPV. Oh my okay, so once they get immune to get HPV, hopefully that will last lifelong. We now have enough information to say this can last for more than 10 years, you know, that protection. But that's expensive. But it is here in South Africa and you'll be hearing more about it. Mm. The big thing that we have is to do pap smears and to do the pap smears correctly. So many myths about pap smears. A pap smear simply means we take some tissue from around the mouth of the womb, either with a fine brush, send it to the laboratory and look at it. And we want to see whether that tissue is normal or is abnormal. It's basically a few cells that are there. like an internal examination. It's mm-hmm. not painful in any way. Mm-hmm. You, are not, you don't need to be put to sleep mm-hmm. you know, to do a pap smear. It's an internal examination. Those cells are taken, sent to the laboratory. If there's one message which I can tell all women in the reproductive years, just you know what your last pap smear was like in the last five years. Was it normal? You must know, you know that result. Mm-hmm. And once we do that we get into this habit of uh, uh, going for pap smears, knowing what our pap smear result, you know, is like. We have got a long way in trying to prevent you know, the problems of cancer of the cervix. Even if you're not sexually active, you ought to have a pap smear, would you? Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, cancer of the cervix tends to happen in those people who are sexually active. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the population group that tends to be sexually active. There are always the rare things that happen. You know, in medicine, that even the people who are not sexually active, they may have cancer in of the cervix, but the target population, the main target population, is the ones who are sexually active. Hmm. Meaning that you shouldn't stop though having pap smears. Absolutely. Even if you're not sexually active. Absolutely, yes. Oh my goodness. I want to talk to you about so many things, and we. We haven't even touched it because there's, there's what the breast. Yes, I wanted breast us to cancer, talk about yes. breast cancer. Wanted to talk about mammograms. Maybe yes, just yes. one little sentence. If you could give me mem- messages of the the how, how often one should breast have a, a, a mammogram and and all of those kinds okay, of things. Okay, breast cancer is also a very important cancer. You know, in South Africa, in fact, competing with cancer of the cervix. You know, nowadays, you know, uh, epidemiology, you know, is changing. The message about breast cancer is self-breast examination. Women should get to know their bodies. I felt embarrassed. Just when I was trying to tell you breast, I was about to touch my head. I thought, no, Women should get to know their bodies. They should get to know their breasts. Self-breast examination. That is the, that is the message. Mm-hmm. And in a nutshell, it's very simple. There is symmetry. The left looks like the right. The left should feel like the right. Mm-hmm. So look, you know, at your breasts, you know, in the mirror. See what they are like. See where the nipples are. See any coloration around. Is it all normal? You get to know what is normal, you know, for you. Examine the breast yourself, usually after your periods, not before. Because if you examine just before your periods, you'll feel all sorts of lumps and bumps. Mm-hmm. They didn't start worrying. But just after your periods, that's a time to examine one's breast. What you feel on the left should be what you feel on the right. Mm-hmm. What you see on the left should be what you see on the right. Once you get you know, into that habit, the day you see anything different, go to a doctor. Doctor, something feels different. 
I thank you so much for joining us and thanks for imparting that knowledge. But we can never talk enough about this. So hopefully you come and visit us again. And I'm, I'm very interested in the new developments, especially with, with the HPV uh, possible uh, injection and those kinds of things. And we'll educate people more. And so it is here, by the way, the HPV. It is here. Well, it's expensive. Yeah. Let's see if government can help us get sure. it to, to younger people. But thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Shadow. That was Dr. Matinde. Um, shall we give people your email at all? Uh, oh, do you have time uh, to respond to that? Yes, uh, you can't I'm say a, no. I'm you can't say no. It's University of Cape Town, and I'm based at uh, Somerset Hospital. I also am at Blobberg Medical Hospital and UCD Private Academic Hospital. Fantastic. It's all on Google. Okay. Thank you so much to Dr. Matinde. We'll be back chatting to... Um, in fact, for a few, I'll make an announcement about a march that's happening tomorrow, uh, which is to end violence against women now. But first, here is Shop Shop.